94% of people who die from this do it by accident, not on purpose. We are talking about the opioid epidemic today on the 100 Huntley Street podcast. I'm Cheryl Weber. And I'm Greg Musselman. And, you know, this has been something that in some ways, because of COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, it's fallen a little bit in terms of, you know, the attention that it should be giving. Uh, you know, the sad part about this, and there's so many heartbreaking aspects about this, is that most of the hospitalization due to opioid overdoses is between the ages of 15 to 24. And many of those deaths happening in Western Canada, in BC, Alberta, and Saskatchewan. Yeah, I read a stat that said 7,000 people died, they believe, from an overdose last year in 2021. And it's just so heartbreaking to see what's happening. Today, we have some great interviews for you. We're going to be hearing from someone who was addicted to drugs. And really, you know, like you always hear the stories, uh, maybe rough home life, rough neighborhood, rough something. But this, but this story is really someone who just kind of fell into it. Yeah, you know, Jeff Banks actually had a, a good upbringing. And, you know, you often when you think of, you know, those that are getting addicted to opioid or any kind of drug addiction or alcohol addiction, is there some pain there, something has happened? And that's certainly, Cheryl, as we know, that's, that's a part of the story. But in Jeff's case, it was... I'm just going to give this a try, you know, and see what happens. And before you know it, he fell into addiction and, uh, you know, then into crime and just all sorts of terrible things and all the challenges that he put his family through. Uh, you know, in the case of Jeff, though, it's it's got a happy ending to it. Unfortunately, that is not always the case. And then later on, we're going to be hearing from Julie and Jim Innes. Uh, they're from BC. And actually, I met them, Cheryl, uh, by happenstance. I was uh, bike riding on a Sunday morning in Coquitlam, BC, which is my hometown and uh, this church was uh, having you know hot dogs and uh, you know serving coffee and so I went over and I started talking to this man who I later would find out was Jim and uh, you know we, we you know chatted about how we came into a relationship with Jesus and then he said there was that relationship with Jesus that got him through a very difficult time and then I asked him well what was that and he was telling me about the death of his daughter Jaylin due to an opioid crisis and uh, death. Yeah, both of them have such interesting perspective through this really tough, tough time. And I know a lot of people are dealing with it. I have a good friend, uh, Greg. She's a leader in ministry. Most people don't know that her son is a fentanyl addict. And it's really hard for her to talk about because here she is helping people, yet in her own family, her child makes this choice. And I think I'm really excited about the Jeff Banks interview because I think it's so important for us to understand that parents shouldn't blame themselves, that kids make their own decisions. Even when you are given everything, sometimes, and I was a I was a rebel, I was a prodigal as a kid, so sometimes you just make stupid decisions regardless of how great your parents are, and they can't always own that. So I hope, I know you're going to find a lot of hope through these interviews today. So let's kick it off with Mark's interview with Jeff Banks. With deaths due to drug overdose at record highs, my next guest story is nothing shy of a miracle. Jeff Banks had all the makings of an amazing life, but would choose the world of drug dealing and drug use to find his identity. He joins me today and joins us to tell us his story. Welcome to 100 Huntley Street, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you, man. Um, can you take us back to your childhood? I mean, you were a son of a pastor, you were like this high academic achiever, you were an athlete, you were socially confident. What happened? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes uh, my story can be a little unique in that way because I had 
you know, I guess what you'd call a normal upbringing. Um, I think you hear a lot of stories about addiction that uh, where people didn't have so much of a, a, a normal, you know, and I use that word relatively upbringing, um, but I, I did. And uh, I think more than anything else, um, what happened was just the people around me. You know, I was uh, pretty desperate in my search for approval. And uh, whenever I was younger, you know, I found those things in grades or being good at sports or compliments from people. Um, but then as I got older, I stopped looking for approval from, say, my parents or my teachers. And I started to look to my friends uh, for approval. And at that time, I'd kind of gotten around a, a bad group of friends. And, um, you know, I've always been a kind of a risk taker and a daredevil, I guess. And um, soon that risk started to turn into curiosity with drugs and substances. Um, and it was uh, uh, slowly at first, but then it kind of barreled into a snowball of, um, you know, I'd always say like, oh, you know, I want to try this drug or I want to try that drug, but I'll never cross this line. Right. And I would make some arbitrary line. And then uh, before I knew it, I, I would get desensitized to whatever boundary I had set up and I would cross it. And uh, things got pretty dark pretty quick once I hit about middle school, high school age. Um, looking back now, uh, would you say that there were signposts along the way that perhaps you misread? Like, is there was there a traumatic event or trigger that you could contribute or attribute your downward spiral to, to looking back now? Sure. Um, you know, whenever I look back, it, it, it started as curiosity, um, my fascination with drugs. Um, and, you know, I, I went through the, the uh, D.A.R.E. program whenever I was a kid. You know, I went through, I would hear all these things about um, drugs and how harmful they were. But then whenever I tried them for the first time, you know, I thought that uh, I would immediately uh, be without a home or immediately be in poverty or immediately be sick or on my deathbed. And that didn't happen. So all these things that I'd heard, I was like, wait, those things aren't true. Like I'm okay. Like I, I just tried drugs for the first time and I'm, I'm fine. Um, and once, uh, once I thought that all of those, um, all of those harm ideas that I'd heard, once I, I thought that those weren't true, there wasn't as much, uh, holding me back. And I, I really became obsessed um, with substances. And I spent a lot of my time um, thinking about them and researching them and trying to find them, even as a uh, high school kid. And I think that was a, a, a red flag, but eventually I couldn't, um, I couldn't discern uh, the things that, uh, the things that were negative and bad for me didn't seem so negative and bad anymore. Like I could justify my actions doing anything as long as it led to me getting drugs. And I think that's when things got hard was whenever I turned to crime and I turned to drug dealing and I turned to even stealing from family and friends and all these different things. Um, and I, I would do whatever I had to do because um, I thought I had to. And uh, it was hard to it was hard to, to, to discern until much, much later oh, these things are taking me down a dark path. And it wasn't until I got down the road that I was able to look back and see that. And I think that's the scary thing about it is like you said, no one you know, wakes up one morning and wants to be a drug addict. It's just this uh, slow trudge towards, of it that, towards it that gets faster and faster and faster as we make decisions that take us down that path. Very, very interesting and fascinating. Now, after a series of, of stints in rehab, in and out, run-ins with the law, of course, you're, you're pulling sort of your family along with you on this journey. You hit proverbial rock bottom. You're in a car, mm -hmm. ra car wreck, you're, you're badly injured. 
after passing out from a dose, you're back in jail. It was then that you realized the life you were living wasn't what you wanted. What happened from that point on? Yeah, at that point, you know, you mentioned the car wreck. I think that was the first time um, my life had been really, really hard up until that point uh, in my in my early teens and 20s. I had, you know, as you said, been out of rehab so many times. And after getting in that and, and in and out of jail so many times and after getting in that car wreck, I realized, like, I'm either going to stop or I'm going to die. And uh, that had become increasingly uh, evident. But the hard thing was, is I didn't know how to stop. Like, I, I, I didn't know what to do um, to move forward. So I was really fearful um, that, you know, I, I may die. And in some ways, I, I probably even wanted to because life had gotten uh, gotten so hard for me. But I remember, um, I remember asking for help, asking the people around me uh, for help. And I remember talking to my parents and, you know, they had helped me so many times um, to get out of the spaces I had put myself in. Um, but once again, you know, they showed me this grace and they're like, we'll, we'll help you, but uh, we want to, uh, but we're going to help you our way this time. Because every time I'd ask them for help, it was always on my terms. Like, I want to go to this place or that place. I want you to pay for this or pay for that. And they were over that, like that hadn't worked. Um, so they, they found this, uh, Christian uh, rehab. And they said, I think this is probably a good place for you to go. And I wanted nothing to do with Christian anything at that point. I thought I tried the Jesus thing. I'd grown up Christian. That's not what's going to fix me or help me. I was convinced, um, but I really had no other choice. So I went anyways. And uh, it was through that um, experience through that Christian rehab, through the community that was there, that my life ultimately uh, ended up changing. I was able to, to leave heroin and leave opiates in the review mirror after so many times trying so many different things. Um, and ultimately, it was Jesus and community that ended up helping me the most. Um, you know, you have this come to Jesus moment, like a real authentic come to Jesus moment during this round of rehab. What would you say changed about your perception of God mm. up to what you had understood of God up to that point in your life? Yeah, I, I had been convinced of um, whenever I was younger, and I, I don't think this is through any fault of maybe the pastors or teachers in my life. I think this is just kind of what I heard, but I had been convinced that like, all you have to do is kind of say this prayer and that'll get you your ticket to heaven. And uh, you just try to be a good person um, until then, until you die and you get to go to heaven. Um, and then once I got around this community of people uh, who loved Jesus and who weren't overly concerned with the way that I was dressed or the things that I said or all my actions, all my behaviors, I mean, I remember trying to, uh, as I met these newer Christians once I was in rehab, I remember trying to make them angry. Like, I, you know, I was smoking cigarettes, I was listening to music I thought they wouldn't like, I was doing all these, you know, arbitrary things to try to confirm like, oh, you're another one of these judgmental Christians. Oh. Um, but none of it worked. They kept loving me. They kept serving me. They kept being around me. Um, and I realized like, oh, there's something different here. Like this isn't the surface level uh, judgment filled Christianity. I, 
thought I had found that all you had to do was say a prayer. This was something different. And then uh, through that community, I was led to scripture and I started to read the words of Jesus um, in the gospels and all the different things he said about life and the way that we should live. And I was like, oh, he, he never talks about some prayer that gets you a ticket to heaven. He talks about the way that we live. Um, and as I started to learn those things that he taught, you know, uh, that that was what led me to freedom. Um, so I, I learned that, that following Jesus wasn't necessarily all about what happened whenever you die, but rather it's about bringing heaven here to earth now. Um, and that happens through the way that his people, the, the, the church lives. And luckily, I had these people around me that were a beautiful example of love and a beautiful example of 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 Jesus's hands and feet um, that changed the perception of God that I thought I had. Yeah, and as a result, and we could talk at length about this because I know identity is so closely tied to your story. But it seems like these people around you helped you um, gain a new perspective on the way God's seen you, and that changed your identity. Oh, he's not just Jeff the drug addict; he's Jeff a child of God that God loves regardless. I, just in our last few minutes here, Jeff, because I know we could talk so much more about your story. To that person that's been in and out of prison, that's been in and out of rehab, they're using again, they feel like they've failed, they've fallen back into their cycle of dysfunctional behavior. What would you say to that person right now? I think the biggest thing is that you are never too far gone. Um, I know that was my feeling is like I'd gone too far. Uh, God doesn't love me anymore. Uh, these people aren't going to forgive me. These people aren't going to love me anymore. But the truth is that you are never too far gone for God to redeem you. And, um, you know, that's what Jesus says, right? He came for the sick. Um, God calls the sick. He wants to be with you um, and show you how to live. And I think whenever we call out to God and we ask for help, uh, he is faithful um, to help us. And it's not always in the way that we might think you know, and it's not always easy. It's not always perfect. In fact, usually it's it's not easy, um, but God works through difficulty. So I, I would urge you, if that's you, um, that you're never too far gone, that God loves you. And if that if you call out to him, uh, he will make a way for you out. So, so good. And just in our last 30 seconds together, how is your story? You're pastoring these days. I need our viewers to know that, that you pastor these days. How has your journey impacted you as a pastor? Oh man, it's it's changed everything for me um, because it, it has made me realize what I just said, that there is no one too far gone. So I work primarily uh, with students and whenever I encounter students that are from all different walks of life, um, I, I've, I've, God has put this capacity to love in me that I, I don't know if I would have it uh, without the life experience that I've had. So whenever I encounter difficult situations and people who are struggling so much, um, I feel this ability to love them right where they they're at because of the love of Jesus in my own life. Yeah, well, you can see it on your face, Jeff. Your story brings so much hope, so much hope, so much life to families battling addiction, whether they are on the user side or the ones supporting those battling the addiction. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. And I want to let you know at home right now, you may be watching whatever side of the equation that you're on, that you're never too far gone. You heard it from Jeff. 
you're never too far gone. God is reaching out to you. He's throwing a lifeline and he wants to rescue you and pull you back in, pull you close to himself. He longs for relationship. It's not about religion. It's about relationship with him. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants healing and wholeness for you. And we want you to know that there are prayer lines there for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You might be watching this at three in the morning. You pick up that phone, someone will answer that call and they will minister the love, the transforming power of the love of Jesus Christ. Not a religion, not a denomination, but a person, the person of Jesus Christ. So call those prayer lines, 1-866-273-4444. You can go to crossroads.ca. We have a chat icon there. Our digital pastor would love to chat with you and lead you to Jesus and get you started on your journey of new life with him. Thanks, Jeff, so much for being with us, brother. We can't wait to have you back again. Thanks for having me. You know, so many things that uh, really drew my attention, you know, Mark's interview with Jeff. Uh, You know, one of them, again, comes back to, yeah, I took some drugs, didn't affect me. And then it got deeper and deeper. And and before you know it, your life is, you know, spinning out of control. And we've both known people and families that have had that. And again, these were not troubled kids or, or even adults, but they got into something that they didn't know what the end result would be. And, and then once they start going down, you know, that rabbit hole, in a sense, they feel like, you know, their, their lives have been wasted. There's no way out. But I like what Jeff said, you know, you're never too far gone for God to redeem you. And then also the important, Cheryl, of having people that won't judge you. You go, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. That was a stupid thing to do. Yeah, okay. It was not the right thing to do. But that's the last thing that they need when they're trying to come back. Absolutely. I love, love, love how he talked about this community never judged him and they all came around him. And even how he read the Gospels and saw what Jesus said about life and how we're supposed to live, bringing heaven to earth, like loving people. And, you know, he said that God gave him a capacity to love that he wouldn't have otherwise. And you see God bringing beauty out of this really hard place in his life. And, you know, only God can do that. But the, the one thing that really breaks my heart about this epidemic across this nation is that people are sneaking it into other drugs. So he was so fortunate that that didn't happen right. to him, but not only for the how addictive it is. So like you don't, you, maybe you're smoking pot and you don't intend to get addicted to fentanyl, but it's in there, but also it's so deadly. So even just a tiny little bit can totally kill you. And that's what's happening to people. Kids are trying it for the first time and don't know there's fentanyl in it. And my son, Matt is a paramedic and uh, in Edmonton and, and they've come across so many cases. And again, these are, you know, people, God loves all people, but uh, they're from all, you know, stratospheres of lifestyle and, you know, and, and in the different parts of community. So, you know, this is deadly. And as you mentioned, when it gets mixed in, they're taking something that they don't know. And, uh, and this, and in fact, it's a young lady, just 21 years old, Jay Lynn was her name out in uh, Coquitlam, BC. That's where her parents are, Jim and Julie. And this was a good kid. She went to church. She was well liked in the church and she was active and, you know, just had a lot of friends. So there was no reason that she would, you know, from what they could understand is why that she would do this. And and the other thing that was heartbreaking, you know, when I did the interview with Jim and Julie is they had, they seen no signs of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like she was being depressed or, you know, they, I mean, of course, you know, when you're in your teens and early 20s, there's always something going on in our lives, but nothing that drew the attention. And, you know, she found herself, you know, trying this and it led to a, a deadly end. And, and that's the thing. It's not only the loss of life, and certainly we grieve that, but it's also for the families that are left behind. Yeah. And the thing I really appreciate about Julie and Jim is that they have such an interesting perspective in the middle of it. And it's a really sad story. It's a really hard story. Yeah. 
but they themselves are so inspiring. You're really going to love meeting this couple. So let's go to that interview with Julie and Jim right now. The COVID-19 outbreak worsened the already deadly and ongoing public health crisis of drug overdoses leading to death in Canada. And it is having a tragic impact on people who use substances, their families and communities. Data from a federal special advisory committee shows that people most affected by the overdose crisis are aged 20 to 49 and those living in Western Canada and Ontario. Jim and Julie Innes know the pain of losing a child to an accidental overdose. Their beautiful daughter, Jalen, just 21, when she died on April 27, 2017, fentanyl was found in Jalen's toxicology report. Jim and Julie Innes join me from Pitt Meadows, BC. Thank you guys for being on the program today to talk about this health crisis that you know firsthand. So good to see you again. Nice good to see you. you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Let's first talk about beautiful Jay Lynn. I know we have some mutual friends, uh, the Franciscos who pastor the Coquitlam Alliance Church, and they just speak glowing of you guys and also about Jay Lynn. Tell me about her. Um, Jay Lynn, from the moment she entered this earth, she was a sweet, sweet soul. She grew into a beautiful young woman who only wanted to serve. And I believe it was that servant's heart that brought her down a path where she, the fight wasn't hers. And um, she loved super well and she forgave super easy. And she had friends that she only wished to support and help and um, deliver the message of Jesus too. Unfortunately, the path that she was walking down, um, she wasn't familiar with it. She was very naive to it. And it brought her into a place where, um, backing up a bit as a young child, she was our first. And so we didn't necessarily see that there was some depression issues possibly that she was dealing with. And it wasn't until she left that we look back and wonder if we could have supported her a bit better, but we did the best we could. Um, we miss her every single second of every single day, but um, she is an amazing soul and um, our beautiful gift from the Lord. And we cherish those moments that we had with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jim, when you look at the situation with Jaylene, and I know a lot of parents that have gone through this, and, and I've had, you know, friends that have lost their children in tragic ways, you know, through suicide and other means, drug overdose, and they beat themselves up. Why didn't I notice? How did you navigate that uh, in the situation that you went with, uh, with uh, Jaylene? Um, it was, it was hard in the beginning. Um, of course, we we could see a change in Jalen. We could see things happening, um, but being prepared for that, I, I don't know. It was uh, it was so quick that you know we don't have a lot of experience in that um, those different um, different areas of, of mood swings and and just being upset. You know, like she'd be upset at us, or we couldn't agree on things. Um, so. I think it was it was tough then, um, 
but we kind of we realized that afterwards of course it's too late um that you know we could have dealt with things differently we could have um maybe approached things it's a little softer um yeah so it was it was a tough navigational thing to get through um but now that's where i think we can help with other parents to to lead them or to help them through that tough time um, on how to approach things. Julie, how did you find out uh, that uh, your dear Jalen had died from a drug overdose? Yeah, that was a tough day. Um, she had actually, she was turning things around and she had moved back home. She'd been with us for about a month and she was doing well but her heart was still to help her friends. She really wanted to help her friends come through that journey. Um, so she had gone to stay with a friend of hers, which was a really great friend and they were having amazing moments. She was messaging me and um, showing me what types of laughter they were doing. And um, it looked amazing and she was having a great time and I, don't know exactly what happened, of course, because I wasn't there. I'm only hearing that um, she got a phone call from a friend who was down in Vancouver who had used and wasn't feeling very well. And rather than ask for help, she, with the big heart she had, jumped on the SkyTrain and went down to help. Um, it was funny because I had been on the phone with her and she was there and I joked with her and said, are you sure you're there? Because she'd been staying there for a few days and she actually sent me a picture of them. And um, moments later, I could see that her phone had gone offline. I didn't think anything because they often went for drives to look um, over mountain views, et cetera. She loved, she loves God's creations. Um, so yes, she was there. And the next day I didn't want to... Um, continue bugging her so I waited for her to call but at about 2 30 that afternoon I messaged her and asked how she was doing and if she had planned on coming home for dinner that day um I didn't hear from her which I wasn't surprised about they were walking dogs and and hanging out at about 4 30 that afternoon my phone rung and it was a private call and I was making dinner for our family. And so I didn't answer it, but I listened to the message afterwards. And it was a doctor at St. Paul's Hospital that was telling me to phone back the SAP that um, they had Jalen there. And my heart just sunk. Mm. I just thought, no, you've got the wrong number because I know where she is. Um, so, yeah, I phoned back and that was a very hard call. He told me that I should gather everybody up, including her family, her brothers, and um, bring everyone down there because his exact words were, it is very, very bad. Mm -hmm. And I remember just sinking to my knees. It was a very mm -hmm. tough moment. Yeah, it's uh, every parent's worst nightmare. Um, and again, she was a special girl and I think we just have to keep reminding people this can happen to any family. You're, you're a good family and these things happen. Uh, you're both Christians, committed Christians. I, I know you both came to the Lord uh, in your adult years. How has the death of Jalen affected your faith, Jim? Uh, I think it 
strangely enough, it has made it, I never imagined it would make it stronger, but um, it just really um, changed my heart, I think, for um, for the better. Um, and I can't explain that, but it, it has made me a different person, uh, understanding pain, um, people's hardships, more uh, reaching in, uh, help trying to help whoever's going through a hard time, um, which before I don't know if I would have noticed that uh, without Jalen's tragedy. So the God, the God we know has made good out of this this bad. So um, praise Jesus, praise Jesus for that. Mm -hmm. That now we can we can help others through this tragedy. So yeah, amen. Amen. Yeah, I know the Bible talks about we comfort with the comfort that we have received, and I know that you're doing that. Um, Julie, how are you using now this, you know, this horrific and, uh, you know, tragedy uh, to bring awareness to others that, uh, you know, have maybe lost family members to uh, substance abuse or trying to prevent uh, going through what you guys have gone through? Yes, you know, that that's definitely on our hearts. God has broken our heart towards this. Um, it's taken a long time, a long journey for us to recognize um, the goodness in all of this. But God makes good of everything. There is no passing that goes without purpose. Mm -hmm. Those are hard things to remember in a journey uh, in the loss of a child. I'm sure the loss of anyone. Um, but we we have reached in and out. Um, right now, we are facilitating a grief share group through our the help of our Coquitlam Alliance family, and we have run that three times. A little bit difficult during COVID, but we managed, and we're about to start our next season of grief share. We have met um, and walked through and been encouraged by many beautiful people who have joined our group. Um, and yes, we often talk and say, we have met these people through the loss of Jalen. Jalen is still working out her beautiful image of Jesus through us and through the, the wonderful people we have been able to meet and encourage, and they have encouraged us back. It's just been amazing. And so grief share is definitely one way. Um, I'm also connected with Mom Stop the Harm, and they are a group of local moms all around and beyond local um, who are also fighting for our kids and our loved ones to be recognized and for our governments to step in and help us out more. So, Jim and Julie, what gives you hope out of this tragedy of losing Jaylen? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, 110%. Our strong faith in Jesus and knowing that he has us, he had her. We always used to tell her that it takes so many steps to walk away, but only one to turn back. We know that Jesus leaves the 99 to go and find the one. We know he never left her. Right. We know that he has her today. And that hope that we know that we will see her again carries us through this horrific journey. And we yeah. are in love with Jesus and we know her passion for Jesus. And without that knowledge, yeah, it would be quite different. It would be. So I just wanted to say with your um, 
when you go through a tragedy like this, uh, it's it's tough to turn to to friends, to family, but to be able to turn to Jesus, even though you have left him, he never leaves you. Mm -hmm. So uh, during, you know, times like this here where you're alone and, and you don't know what to do, he's there waiting for you. So yeah. um, just the glory to God for, yeah. for him being there for us. So thank you so much for sharing your story. I know when you relive it, it is, uh, it's not easy to do that. So again, thank you. Uh, Jim and Julie for sharing with us today on 100 Huntley Street. And I know your story is going to help a lot of people out. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, Greg. Thank you. Will you donate two hours of your time? Crossroads Prayer Center is seeking people with a heart willing to join in the amazing work God is doing through prayer. Providing over 1,300 prayer interactions daily, Crossroads Prayer Partners speak biblical truth and words of life over people's needs. Join in God's transforming work through prayer and enrich your faith. Learn more at crossroads.ca slash prayervolunteer. Wow, what an incredible story. And Greg, that just breaks my heart so much. I mean, this wasn't a girl, and not that it would make a difference. I mean, anytime you lose a child to drugs, whether they've been an active drug user or an accidental overdose, like like this story, it's so heartbreaking. And I know that it came out of left field for these parents. They didn't see anything happening with her, did they, that would say this? Not really. I mean, there was a little bit of depression, but, you know, I've raised, uh, you know, four kids, Arlene and I, and, you know, you, you see your kids, especially when they're teens and late you know, late teens, early 20s, they're just dealing with a lot of things that are going on in their lives. They're just trying to figure things out. And and Jalen was one of those uh, young people that she uh, had a lot of friends, a lot of people liked her. And uh, and and actually she wanted, she was a, a person that really wanted to help people. Mm -hmm. That's probably what her destiny in life was going to be is, you know, is, is bringing help. And so part of that, getting involved with people that were using drugs and wanting to, you know, she wanted to help them. And before she knew it, that she was also falling into that same trap of of trying drugs and and you know for Jim and Julie too you know these are really good people and uh, you know I've got to know them on a personal level and how devastating that was but yet in, out of their pain, and we've seen it so many of the interviews we've done on Huntley Street, when somebody has gone through something, they want to help other people that are going through that and trying to prevent the young people and older ones as well from, you know, trying opioids or, you know, or trying drugs just recreationally and, and then getting caught into that. Yeah, exactly. I just, I love how they're helping other people with grief share. They're trying to support other parents who are going through this. And, you know, I think it's just, I, I want to say this again, because I feel like there's so many parents out there who are blaming themselves for the poor choices of their kids. And, you know, you can, you can do your best to instill things. Of course, there's no perfect parent. So even Jim and Julie were saying, oh, they wish they hadn't come down quite so hard on her and had been a little gentler in the process. But you're never going to do it perfectly, but you, you can't own it. And sometimes, you know, as we talked about, people are slipping fentanyl in. Uh, sometimes kids are just trying to dull their pain and making poor choices. I made a lot of poor choices yeah. as a teenager. It's amazing. I'm still alive and thank, thankful to the prayers of my parents. So, you know, if you're carrying that heavy load of guilt today, maybe for choices you made in your own life or as a parent, we just want to bring some encouragement to you and just let you know that you can leave that with Jesus. You can let that pain go. And if you need someone to pray with you through that process, please call our prayer lines. They are available all day. If you wake up in the middle of the night and you're just filled with regret and shame and 
and, you know, replaying, oh, I'd only done this, I only done that, you know, let that go because that's holding you back from living your best life today. And you can't change the past, but you can change your present and you can change your future. So please give that number a call, 1-866-273-4444. You can send us an email at prayer at crossroads.ca. If you go to crossroads.ca, you see a little chat icon. Yeah. There's our digital pastor. We have so many different ways to support you. And I know from watching my friend go through it, who's in a leadership position in ministry, it's not always easy to talk about and you want to protect your daughter. And sometimes you're very ashamed. And if you just need a safe place to go, those prayer lines are that safe place to go. They are. And and I just love what you said. You know, even when I think of Jim and Julie or even a case with Arlene and I, you know, as a young dad and, you know, my Matt was my oldest and I was a little hard on him at times. And, you know, I thought I was doing the best and, and I realized that some of the pain that he was experiences and, and some of the insecurity came probably from the way I was raising him. I mean, Arlene was, was great and it was always, but, you know, you make those mistakes and it did lead to him getting into some trouble with drugs and alcohol and things like that but yet now he is you know he's a paramedic and he has such compassion for those that go through uh, you know these kinds of things and having to you know go to homes or places where uh, this is happening so again uh, and, and if something terrible would have happened to him I, I no doubt I would have blamed myself and uh, but I know it's it, we, none of us are perfect and I think you, you know made that very clear and Jim and Julie did as well and uh, so again if you are struggling prayer lines. Uh, you can email us, as Cheryl mentioned, or chat with us uh, because there are people that, that care for you. And if you need some professional help, our, our prayer people, they love God, they love people, but they're not professionals in that sense. And we have many uh, organizations that we work with that can get you that professional help. Absolutely. I hope that you are inspired and encouraged today by these conversations, by these interviews. Please reach out if you need help. And thanks so much for joining us on the 100 Huntley Street podcast with Greg Musselman and Cheryl Weber. Thank you for your ongoing support of Crossroads, a supporter-funded nonprofit organization and member of the Canadian Centre of Christian Charities. Thanks to faithful people like you, we are able to continue producing 100 Huntley Street. You can write to Crossroads, P.O. Box 5100, Burlington, Ontario, L7R4M2, or visit crossroads.ca to learn more about our programs.